Oh, let's lift our hands and our hearts and our spirits and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible said, Oh, give thanks, for the Lord is good. Oh, give thanks, for the Lord is good. Let's give thanks for that service last night. Let's praise God for it. God, we praise you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. We're going to bring to the pulpit in just a moment Brother Brian Jones. I want to say Brother and Sister Jones have been faithful to this meeting for many years, and they have been a blessing. And I want to say this. These are Christians, and they're good people. They're good people. And I have seen them uh, under fire in adverse circumstances, live for God and do what's right and keep a good spirit. They have, uh, they have evangelized, they have pastored, they have evangelized, and they have pastored. And this time they're in uh, Bryan, Texas, and uh, doing a work for God there. I just appreciate and love these folks so much, so much. And I want to say th- thank you to them for being so faithful to this meeting, along with many of you. Many of you have never missed one of these meetings over the years. Even when it was PSR and then West Coast Conference, you've been here for it all. And uh, we want Brother Jones to come and really feel his liberty. Whatever he feels in his heart that God has given him, deliver the word of the Lord. To, let's worship the Lord as Brother Jones Praise the Lord. Could we give the Lord a good hand clap of praise? Let's really love him right now. Jesus, we love you. Oh, God, you're so worthy to be worshipped. You are so worthy to be praised, mighty God. We love you today. Oh, has God been good to anybody? Oh, come on. Has God been good to anybody here today? We love you, Master. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Is anybody happy to be in church today? Are you happy you're living for the Lord? Praise God. Are you happy you got the Holy Ghost? Praise the Lord. There isn't anything in this world like this one God message, like the truth that God has given us. Amen. Amen. What a privilege it is out of over 7 billion people on the face of the earth today to know the truth. And to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine that God would choose us? Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. I'm very, very honored and thankful to be here this this morning. And um, we are very glad to be able to be part of something I feel like that um, has helped us for many, many, many years. And uh, unless it is absolutely out of my power, we are not going to miss a West Coast Conference. Amen. Praise God. Many, many years. It has been a blessing. Elder Morton has been a blessing in my life and in my wife's life. And, um, and I was thinking about it a few moments ago. Uh, how many uh, of, of, these, of these pastors out here in California helped my wife and I? And uh, this has been many, many years ago that we evangelized here. But, you know, I want to take a moment and thank you. 
thank you for opening your churches and, uh, and allowing us to preach and minister. And uh, it was a blessing, and we appreciate it very much. Uh, we appreciate the room. We're thankful for the comfortable things that we've been given, for the knife, the candy, the hospitality. Amen, amen, amen. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I have a, I have a mission today, and, uh, and I really do want to help somebody. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I, I think that God has spoken to me. I really feel very, very comfortable where I am today. Not comfortable in, in any, any carnal sense or any fleshly sense, but I do feel like I've heard from the Lord. And, uh, and, and I know when I've heard from the Lord that God's here to help somebody today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the first chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse number one. And while you're turning there, I'm very happy to have my wife with me. I love her very, very much. We just celebrated 18 years. Amen. And then I have old Bryson with me and Joanna. Very happy to have them. And then we have some folks from our church, from Bryan, Texas here. Amen. I don't know where they are. They better not be sleeping. They better not have stayed in the bed. I'm going to tell you something. Amen. Amen. But we're happy to have them. Praise the Lord. The book of Ruth, chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malhan and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And Malhan and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab... For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. I'd like to look at verse 19. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? I'd like to point your attention back to verse number one, please. The Bible says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. I want to speak to you with the help of the Lord today, and we need God's help today. I need help to be able to preach this, and you need help to be able to receive the word of the Lord. 
We both need anointing. Can you say amen? I want to preach to you for a few moments on this subject. Beware of the famine. Beware of the famine. Now, I want to make a little disclaimer here before I begin to preach. This message by no means is intended to glorify a trial, to glorify a hard time, or glorify a dry time. That is not my motive for preaching this today. My motive is actually just the opposite. To let you know you can make it through a hard time and a dry time and a famine. But I don't believe we do need to be ignorant that there are going to come times in everybody's life. Praise the Lord that you're just going to have to plant your feet and live for God. Amen. 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 I want you to lay your Bibles down, please. And I want us to lift our hands one more time. I know you've done it, but would you lift your hands and let's pray that God would help us. That God would help us today. God, we seek your face today. We seek the anointing of your spirit. We seek the power of the Holy Ghost. That revelation, God, that only you can give. I'm praying, God, for understanding. God, I pray that you would anoint our ears, that we can hear what the spirit would say today. God, that you would anoint our eyes that we can see clearly in times like this, God. God, we need you, Jesus. There's never been a day and an hour that we've needed you like we need you today, God. I have confidence that you're going to do a great work. Amen. Let's praise him one more time, please. Would you do that with me, Lord? I love you. You are a high and holy God. You are a mighty God, a great God, a worthy God. Oh, come on for just a moment here. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're a good God. I praise your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. This word famine that we're going to be talking about for a few moments this morning. It is a Hebrew word. The the word literally, when you boil it down, it means to hunger or to be famished. But it has several different words and even several different applications. The word famished can mean a shortage of something. It can mean the absence of something. It can mean that there is a dearth or there is a drought. When you begin to study the word of the Lord, you will see very, very quickly... That there were many, many reasons why famines came into the land in various times. Uh, There were famines that were caused by natural disasters, a lack of rain. And uh, when the rain did not fall, obviously everything living on the face of the earth takes rain. Uh, There were famines that were caused by an army that would siege a city. And, uh, and this city would be surrounded and the armies would cut off the supplies uh, to a city. And so uh, literally water or food or anything was not able to get into the city. And so the people that dwelt inside of the walls of the city, uh, they would starve to death. Uh, and then there was the aspect of the judgments of God. Many times, uh, as you read through the Old Testament, you see very, very clearly 
uh, that, that it was commanded by God that, that there is one God and that the people of God were to serve no other God. Praise the Lord. And if they did, that there would be certain and there would be sure uh, judgments of God. And so uh, there are times that there were famines that were sent uh, as a cause of a judgment of God. In the book of Ruth, we really don't know here. The Bible does not give us a real clear idea of what caused this famine. But it just simply says this. In the days when the judges ruled... There was a famine in the land. Many commentators believe that this was a, this famine was a direct result of Israel's rebellion against the commandments of God. I don't really know. So where the Bible is absent, I'm going to be absent. But we do know that there was a, a great famine in the land. We do know that it affected the, the people of God in a, a very, very great way. The Bible says there is a certain man. This was not a parable. This was not a story that somebody was making up. But this was a story about a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. The Bible says that he went to sojourn. That means he went to stay for a short period of time, just for a while. He went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Uh, he made a decision to take his family Away from Bethlehem. Now, I want us, I want us to stop and look at this just a moment here. Uh, in, in the Bible, many, many words have very significant meanings. Whether it be a name of somebody or many times the name of an event or, or the name of a person or a situation. And so the name of Bethlehem meant house of bread or house of food or a house of sustenance. And, uh, and so, uh, in the house of bread, there was a famine. Uh, in, in the place where, uh, the, the glory of God was and the power of God was and the place where, uh, the ark was in this area, they had access to these things. Uh, there was a famine. Uh, how strange it would be that there would be a famine in the house of bread. Praise the Lord. But it is what it is. The Bible lets us know there is a famine in the land. Can everybody say amen? The Bible says that this man, uh, his name was Elimelech. And, uh, and his name of his wife was Naomi. And they had two sons, Malhan and Chilion. They were Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And the Bible says that they left Bethlehem, Judah, and, uh, and they made a journey. And, uh, and this journey was to the land of Moab. Uh, I tried to look on various maps to try to get an idea of how far it could possibly be uh, from Bethlehem, Judah to Moab. And, uh, and, and it's somewhere probably around 50 or 60 miles. That's, that's what I can get out of that there. And, uh, and so it wasn't that far. And so this man, Elimelech, took his family out, out of the place where the ark was and out of the place where the word of God was and the things of God. And he just said in his heart, I'm going to go to Moab, but I'm just going to go for a little while. Uh, it's really not that far of a journey. And so I'm, I'm going to take my family there and I'm going to take them there until the famine is over. Until, you know, just until things get a little bit better, it's all I'm going to do. 
And I'm just, I'm not going to be gone long, uh, but I'm going to be gone long enough to be able to avoid the trial that I'm going through right now. Amen. Amen. The Bible says they, they journeyed and as they found their place in the land of Moab, verse 4 says they stayed there and dwelt there about 10 years. And so when you begin to read this, first they were going to sojourn in the country of Moab. They were going to stay there for just a little while. But, uh, but they ended up staying much longer than what they ever thought they would stay. And, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but that is exactly uh, what backsliding does to people. Amen, amen, amen. But they lived in Moab about 10 years. And, uh, and then the Bible says, and it doesn't say how long that they were there before uh, Elimelech died. But verse 3 says, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. Uh, no doubt, no doubt questions begin to cross her mind was, uh, did we really make a right decision, uh, in leaving the house of bread, uh, during a time of distress and during a time of trial? Did, did we really make a right decision leaving the, the will of God and the land of God, uh, maybe for an easier way? But you know, she could reason in her mind, I've got, I've got two sons left. And, uh, and you know, things aren't really as bad as, as maybe what I'm saying here. And then verse 4, the Bible says, These two sons took wives, women of Moab. One name was Orpha, and the other's name was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And so, you have to understand the dynamics here. I believe with all of my heart that it had been pounded into the mind and the heart of Ruth that we do not intermarry or we do not intermix with heathen nations around us. Uh, it was a known deal. Uh, it was not something you had to wonder about whether they had been taught or not. They knew they were not supposed to marry outside of Israelites. Praise the Lord. But as human nature is, no doubt she could justify and, uh, and she could say, you know what, uh, uh, it's a possibility that, you know, things might work out. But you see, they ended up marrying Moabites because they went to Moab. Praise the Lord. Amen. Then the Bible says in verse number five, and Malhan and Chilion also, they died both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. She arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Now, I want to tell you something. My, my objective in, in ministering today is I want somebody to realize something that I, I don't know how bad it may be in your life today. But I want you to understand something. I don't care how bad it gets. It is never the will of God that you leave the church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't understand why there was a famine in the land. I really don't know. But I want you to understand something that there was things that were going on that, that I believe that God had to judge. 
But as bad as it was right there, there were still a lot of good things about the house of bread. You see, they had access to the word of God in the house of bread. They had access to the ark of the covenant near them. They could go and worship. They had access to a priest. They had access to a church. They had access to the people of God. What am I trying to say? I don't care how bad it gets. It is never the will of God for somebody in the church to look to Moab. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord right now? Praise the Lord. The scriptures do not tell us why, why Elimelech chose Moab. Probably he heard that things were easier there. Probably the news got back to him that, hey, there's, there's rain there and things are not as hard as they are here in Bethlehem, Ephrata. Uh, think Bethlehem, Judah. Uh, maybe, maybe it's easier there. We don't know. We really don't know why he made that choice. But I want you to know something. It was a terrible choice that this man made for his family. Praise the Lord. It was a terrible choice. The events begin to unfold. The Bible lets us know there were things. It was like a domino effect of events that begin to unfold. You see, God didn't promise to sustain them in the land of Moab. God promised to sustain them in the land of Bethlehem, the land of God. Amen. The Moabites were worshipers of the deity Chemosh. And a very similar worship to that of Baal. There is at least one instance uh, that that a person was sacrificed to the god of, of Chemosh. He was the god of war. I want you to understand something. There wasn't anything that these, these Israelites had in common with those from Moab. They had nothing in common. Now I want to talk to you about a few things here right now. It is human nature to run away from your problems. It's human nature to try to find an easier way uh, out of a situation. But I want you to understand something. The safest place you can be, whether you're in a trial and you're in a famine, is to stay in the house of bread. We can do one of two things. We can endure it or we can try to escape it. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Uh, I think the best thing to do is just to plant your feet and stay in church and keep doing the right thing until the famine ends. Amen. The name Elimelech meant my God is king. But it was obvious in Elimelech's decision-making process that he left God out of his decisions. I'm going to say this right here. The safest thing that you can do as a child of God is to number one, pray about the decisions that you make before you ever think about making that decision. And then number two, God put a man of God in your life for a reason. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. The devil don't want you to pray about uh, the decisions that you're making. 
He wants you to make it out, out of emotions and out of feelings. But I want to tell you something. Before we take a step and do anything in this end time hour, we better find ourselves a place to pray. And we better seek the face of God. And say, God, before I do anything, I'm going to take time to ask, what is the will of God? Mm. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. This isn't just for young people right now, but I'm going to tell you this, young people. Your pastor is your best friend. Well, you see, there's a spirit in the end time hour that wants to turn you against the man of God that watches out for your soul. I told our church the other day about somebody trying to turn them against the pastor and turn them against the church. Hey, the church is your only hope of being saved. I told them, don't you even give them a minute. Don't you even entertain what they have to say. If they would ever try to drive a wedge in between you and the church and you and your man of God, you need to stand still and you need to tell them, I don't have time to listen to what you have to say. I want to preach to you for a while here. The coming of the Lord is too soon for us to entertain a spirit of iniquity that's in this end time hour. We don't have time to take our families out in the world and wander around for a while and then hope we can make it back to church. Amen, amen, amen. He made a decision to take his family out of the will of God. Praise the Lord. And when he did, I want you to understand something. There's something about decisions like this. One bad decision ends up leading to another. You know what we're dealing with in this end time hour? We're dealing with a spirit of pride. We're dealing with a spirit of pride. That people think they know as much as the pastor knows. Well, I've been in church for 50 years. I know. Let me tell you something. You can be in church for 70 years. And you're never going to have the insight that the man of God does. Amen. But one bad decision led to another. And before you know it, his two sons married Moabites. I went over this already, but I want you to understand something. Should we think it's strange... If we take our families out of church and we take them out in the world, should we think it's strange that we're going to have to end up raising grandbabies that don't know there's one God? I'm going to tell you something. I love you and I'm not against you today, but I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the stupidest things you can do. You see, there's somebody, probably more than one somebody, you're, you're, you're in the midst of a famine right now, and your thinking is messed up. And I'm here, I'm sent by God to try to help you get your head screwed back on straight. Because I love you. Because I've watched what happens when people take a little sachet out there in the world. 
but they married Moabites. Amen. Amen. They were forbidden to do that. They had nothing in common with the Moabites. I'm going to tell, I'm just going to follow what I feel here right now for just a moment. Is that okay? Amen. I, I worry about a saint that has more in common with somebody out of the world than they do somebody that's in the church. Well, I just don't get along with anybody in the church. Really? You don't get along with God's people. Well, as they say, that went over like a flock of dogs. But it is a truth. It is a truth. Everybody say amen. But after one decade of disobedience, all that remained out of the story of this person's life here, I want you to notice here, there remained three widows and three Jewish graves in a foreign land. You see, there was an idea here that, that uh, I can take my family to Moab and uh, it's not going to affect us. You say, well, the scripture doesn't say that. Well, all you have to do is read what happened. I can take my family to Moab and I can take my family somewhere outside the will of God. And you know, we can handle it and things are going to go okay. I want you to listen to this preacher here right now. No, you cannot handle it. Amen. Amen. Naomi is on her way back home. The longest journey that I have ever witnessed is the journey of a backslider trying to make it home from Moab. These, these two women made the difficult journey back to Bethlehem. And the Bible says the reason why they made the journey back to Bethlehem is because they heard. They heard now that the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. There is revival again in the land of Bethlehem. The times of refreshing had come back again. The rain was falling again. The blessings of God were falling again. Listen to me today. Every church and every saint goes through times of famine. I want you to listen to this preacher. Do not fall for the lie of hell. To believe that just because things are hard. And just because things are tough and dry. That you ought to try to go somewhere else to church. Well, you know, I know they believe a little bit different than we do. But you know what? Uh, I, I'm just going to take a little journey here. I'm going to tell you something right now. That's not the will of God. I said that is not the will of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I just need a change. I'm going to tell you something. What you need to do, you need to square your shoulders and you need to pray until you get a hold of God. You see, I don't know. I want to tell you something. I think we complicate God a lot, a lot more than really what He is. I'm going to tell you something. I think, I think really the key is, is if a person will just stay full of the Holy Ghost.
Amen. There's, there's going to come hard times. But I want you to notice this. The Bible lets us know as Naomi came back. The Bible says that everybody uh, began to talk about her. The city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? They began this word moved when they were moved about them. It means they made an uproar. They were greatly agitated. They began to make a noise. Things begin to ring again. And she said unto them, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. The verse 21 says, Naomi said, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Now, I thought there was a famine in the land. I thought it said in verse number one that there was a famine in the land. Isn't that what it says? Well, I think it depends on how you define wealth and riches. Amen. She said, I went out full. But I came back again empty. If there is one scripture that describes and defines the life of a backslider, I feel like it is this one scripture here. They don't know how good they got it when they're sitting there in a Holy Ghost filled service. Where the power of God is moving. And people are running the aisles and worshiping and clapping their hands. I'm going to preach to you right now. I don't care how bad it gets in the ark. It's better than being outside the ark where the judgments of God are going to fall. Does anybody believe that? I don't care how stinky it was in the ark and how smelly it was in the ark. There's judgment outside and I'd rather have my family in the ark. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now, please. Oh, come on. Are you happy you got the church? But verse 21 says, I went out full. And I want you to notice. She said, the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord has testified against me? The Almighty hath afflicted me. I'm going to tell you something right now. She really felt like her situation was a result. It was God's fault that this was happening. The Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Naomi was sure that her problem was God's fault. I'm going to say something right here. That if a person backsides, listen very closely to me. It's not your preacher's fault. It's not another saint in the church's fault. It's not your husband's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's not your kid's fault. Is somebody hearing me right now? If a person backsides, it just simply means that they got cold in their spirit and they decided they didn't really want God anymore. 
Her complaint began and ended with references to the Almighty in the name of the all-powerful God. Oh, can I tell you something right now? If there's ever been a day and an hour that we need to accept responsibility for our own mistakes and our own actions, it needs to be today. Hey, man, I get so tired of working with people that you know what? It's somebody else's fault. The reason that they're in the condition that they're in. No, no, it's nobody else's fault but mine and yours. Amen. But I want what she, notice what she says here. I went out full. Amen. She had a husband and sons that were near the house of bread. They were serving the one true God. They had an altar at Jerusalem. They had the word of God. They had salvation. They had God's protection. They had the man of God. They had the church family. I want to ask you a question today. What really matters in your life? Ask yourself. What is it that is really important to you? Is it how much money you have in your bank account? Is that really how you determine whether you're rich or not? What cars I'm driving or what kind of house I'm living in or how many figure income I have. No, I'm going to tell you something right now. That's really not what really matters. What matters is is you can come into the house of God. And you can lift your hands and it don't matter how bad the trial is. You can feel the presence of God. You can sit there on a pew and you can hear the man of God preach to you and feed you and help you carry you through a very bad situation. I'm just preaching to somebody. Beware of the famine. Beware of the famine. Naomi got her eyes on what she did not have rather than what she had. Church, I'm going to tell you something. My man of God, the church means more to me today than it has ever meant in my lifetime. I value the church and my pastor and and elders in my life and leadership and the word of God and the presence of God. I value that more than I've ever in my lifetime. Does anybody else feel that way today? Do you really feel that way? I'm not going to be much longer, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't want somebody telling me how good the world is. I don't have time to listen to that. I'm sorry. I said I don't have time to listen to how people are having quote unquote fun out there. And they're partying and they're having a good time. Listen, folks, I've been there. I've been around. I've seen the effects of what the world does to people. The world has nothing to offer you. It has nothing to offer me but heartache and sin and perversion and broken families. Hallelujah. But you don't understand, Brother Jones, I'm confused. I'm going to tell you something. Stay in the church. You don't understand. I can't feel God like I want to. Stay in the church. You don't understand. I'm going through a trial of my life. Stay in the church. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. 
My family's fighting me. Stay in the church. My husband said he's going to leave me. Stay in the church. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, I want you to turn to somebody and say, stay in the church. Turn to somebody and say, stay in the church. Come on, are you glad that God put you in the church? If you are, praise Him for it. Oh God, oh God, oh God, in your name right now. I'm almost finished here. But I'm going to tell you something. There comes a time when everybody in this place is going to go through a famine in your life. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not down. I'm not discouraged today. Don't read in anything I'm fixing to say here. But I'm going to tell you something. God never promised us an easy road in a bed of roses. That's not what He promised us. But He did promise you grace. To be able to make it through whatever situation's going to come your way. He didn't promise you a life without heartache and a life without trials. He did not promise you that. But you know, Elder, I've lived long enough to know that people out in the world have the same problems that we do. But they don't have God to be able to see them through their situations. You know what somebody needs to do today? You need to crawl out of your corner of self-pity and you need to get your thumb out of your mouth and you need to thank God that you got the grace of God to see you through. That old spirit of self-pity that wants you to backslide, you need to rebuke that in Jesus' name. I said you need to tell that old spirit get behind me Satan in the name of Jesus my God I feel the Holy Ghost here right now you don't have to live under that cloud of depression I'm preaching to you that a famine's not going to last forever praise the Lord I said your famine's not going to last forever I want you to lift your hands with me right now please please Oh, Holy Ghost. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost here trying to help somebody. Come on, keep praying with me. I don't know what you're going through, saint of God. But I want to tell you something. No temptation has taken you. But such as is common to man. But God, but God, but God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. The rain's going to fall again. I know you've been in a famine. I know you've gone through some trials. I know things are hard. But stay in the church. Stay in the church. Mm. 
in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I believe you, Lord. I want us to pray just a moment here, please. Pray with me right now. Church, would you do that? I want you to pray with me. Come on, be not weary in well-doing. In due season, in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. The times of refreshing are going to come again. I believe it's going to happen in this conference for somebody. But if you give up, you're never going to see it. If you walk away, you're never going to know what kind of miracle God can do. Come on, some people stayed in Bethlehem and they saw the power of God. Provide for them in the midst of a famine. In the name of Jesus. As every head is bowed right now, I'm going to ask you to continue to pray with me and I'm going to close this. I want you to talk to God for just a few moments, please. I don't know what's caused your famine, sir. Ma'am, I don't really know what's caused your famine today. But I want you to know, God has sent me here to tell you, the rain's going to fall again. Come on, I want you to obey the Holy Ghost here right now. This is the rest and the refreshing. If there's something you need from God right now, I want you to lift your hands toward heaven right now. Maybe you've been in a famine and you don't know how it all happened. But I want you to lift your hands and I want you to ask God, 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 give me a spirit of faithfulness just to stay in the church. Renew me in the Holy Ghost, God. In Jesus' name. Come on, I don't think God is through here right now. Please, let's not be in a hurry. I said, I don't think the Holy Ghost is finished here. There's somebody you need what this message had to say today. Don't, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't be discouraged. Plant your feet. One more time, I want us to lift our hands toward heaven right now. And I want us to love the Lord. Would you do that with me, please? Come on, I want us to love the Lord right now. God, let this be the renewing of the Holy Ghost that somebody needs right now, God. As my wife begins to sing right now.